Hello and welcome to another podcast of Christian Deep Dive. Today we're going to get into the Sermon on the Mount, or at least the first part of it, the part that most people call the Beatitudes. And I want to start out by saying most people say that the Sermon on the Mount is something that you cannot live for today. In other words, it was not meant for now that Jesus was trying to tell us what a Christian is going to be like uh, either during the millennial reign of Christ, some people say, or this is what we're going to be like in heaven. But I would stay on the side of people that say, no, it is something that by his grace we can achieve now. And a lot of people say, well, how can that be? It's even tougher. The Sermon on the Mount, if you examine it, is tougher than the Ten Commandments or a lot of the elements of the law. But again, what I want to say to you is, it's only because of God's grace and his strength that we can do anything. And so I'd like to show you uh, today how we can examine the Beatitudes and see that it is something that was meant for us today. And it's a way that he expects our, our character to be. So let's start out then by reading uh, in Matthew chapter 5. Let's take a look at what it says in the first 10 verses. And that's what we'll cover today. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so, it's interesting, I think you will see that these things all go together. Uh, and I'll hope to explain that as we go along. I think one of the most obvious things to me is you need to recognize that a Christian man or woman is someone that realizes that they were always in the presence of God. You see, the world does not live this way, and that, to me, is the big difference between the Christian and the non-Christian. The Christian is a man or a woman who is realizes anything they do is in the light of this intimate relationship they have with God. We realize that we're not free agents in this world anymore. We are children of God, so everything we do um, from that standpoint is to try to be well-pleasing in his sight. That is why the Christian man or woman of necessity should view everything that happens to them in this world very differently than from anyone else does. And I think, I think that's an important thing to realize. I think one of, the realize, one of the reasons for this confusion of that it's not really for today, it's for some future time, is because some of the religions of the world that tried to break up uh, people into two classes, and that being the uh, the priesthood and then just the lay people or the laity. It was almost like it was creating a structure of super Christians versus quote unquote normal Christians. Um, the Roman Catholic Church, which I came out of, uh, certainly had the tendency to do that. They divided people into that way. In fact, it was for a long time, unless you were in the priesthood, uh, that you could read your Bible and study the Bible. Otherwise, they told everybody what to think and how to think. And that was very defective because there's no such distinction in the Bible. There are distinctions in offices such as apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists, and so on. But keep in mind these beatitudes are not a description of offices. It's a description of character. 
And from the standpoint of character and what we are meant to be, there's no difference between one Christian and another. Um, and so I think that's really important to, to discover, to, to understand. So let's take a look at it. Um, and again, uh, it starts out, blessed are the poor in spirit. And what does poor in spirit mean? Well, a lot of people would say, well, it means you're always walking around in this depressed state. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean you're walking around depressed all the time. It's a description of your standing before God. How you feel is you're in God's presence. Um, being poor in spirit really means a complete absence of pride, which we know God hates pride. Uh, all sins are the same, but if you really study the scriptures, you'll see all through that one of the things that God seems to really focus in on, what God really seems to hate, is pride. And so being poor in spirit is a complete absence of that. It's an absence of self-insurance. It's an absence of self-reliance. Um, it means a consciousness that we are nothing in the presence of God. There's nothing we can produce. There's nothing we can do in ourselves. It's this tremendous awareness of our utter nothingness as we come face to face. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. It's ultimately really a man or woman's attitude towards themselves. Right now in the kingdom of God, there's, there's, uh, there's one, there's nobody in the kingdom of God who is not poor in spirit. It's the fundamental characteristic of the Christian and of any citizen of the kingdom of God. And again, it just means that you've come to the end of your rope as far as thinking that you can save yourself. One of the reasons that the gospel is so offensive to so many people is because most people think there's something you can do yourself to get into heaven. There's something you can do. You, you want to have some part in it. You think there's something you can do. I mean, the average person on the street, uh, when you ask them, say, is there a God? Well, I don't know. I think so. If there is, uh, I'll go to heaven. Why? Well, because I've done more good things than bad things. Again, it's I, 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 me, me, me. And yet Jesus said in the gospel, there's nobody righteous, no, not one. And so everyone needs a savior. And it's only to till you come to that point, you realize you cannot do anything to earn your salvation. You cannot do anything um, to be in the presence of God, that you're totally, totally dependent on what Jesus said at the cross. And that's the only reason that you can have salvation at all. Uh, that's what it means to be poor in spirit. And of course, that leads necessarily right into the next one. It says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Now, a lot of people think, well, if you're always in a state of mourning, it means you're sad and dejected and uh, something happened in your life and you're mourning. That's, again, that's not what it means. It's related to being poor in the spirit. If you're poor in spirit, you are mournful over your sinful state. You don't like the fact that you still have this tendency to sin. You don't like the fact that you're stuck in this body. Uh, you're like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, the, the man that says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You're just, once you come to this awareness of your need, this awareness of your need for a Savior, um, you're mournful that you're in the state you're in, that you're where you're at, that you're, you've got this sinfulness in you. But it says, blessed are those who mourn that way because you will be comforted. Why? Because you'll understand the gospel. You'll understand that you have a Savior. You'll understand that uh, Jesus is your Lord and Savior and that he's going to take care of you. And it's not based on your own merits that you get to heaven. It's on his merits. 
That's why it says you'll be comforted. And then it says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, if you're in this state where you're poor in spirit and you're mourning over your sinful state, it creates a meekness. And again, what does meekness mean? It doesn't mean that you're this uh, you know, type of person where you, you just roll over and you don't have any, you know, you can't be a force in your community. You can't be someone that speaks up. You can't be someone that speaks up at work or at school and stands up for yourself. doesn't mean that. It just means, again, that before God, you're a humble person, and that humbleness does relate to your outside life. I don't mean to say it doesn't, um, but it just means that in the presence of God, again, uh, you know what you are, you know who you are, you know who you're depending on, and that transforms your life, not only your Christian walk, but in everything you do. Uh, and it says you shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So when you're in this state of being poor in spirit, mourning over your sin, being meek as you walk through the earth, you're hungering and thirsting for more. You want to know more about God. You want to know more about your Lord. You hunger and thirst to know more. You can't get enough. It says you shall be filled. And again, if you're in this state, it says blessed are the merciful. Well, if you're this type of person, and you realize your need, you realize what God's done for you, you realize that the only reason, you know, and you're so grateful that God has drawn you uh, to him because in the Gospel of John, I believe it was, I didn't have it here as a reference, it just came to my mind, but Jesus said, no one can come to the Father unless the Father first, no one can come to Jesus, rather, unless the Father draws him. You're so grateful that that's happened. You're so grateful that um, God has, has chosen you, has drawn you, has wakened you to who you are and what you are and what you need, um, that you're just so grateful that, uh, and you realize your sin has been forgiven, you're going to become a merciful person towards others. You're going to be the type of person that you're going to be less offended when people offend you. You're going to be likely to forgive more than you were before. So it becomes your merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And then it progresses again, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Well, what does it mean to be pure in heart? None of us, until we get to the other side of heaven, uh, until we get to heaven, uh, are going to be really totally, totally pure in heart. But let's recall again what happens. When you, become, when you come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, all of a sudden the Bible tells us that we're justified. We're automatically declared righteous because he took our unrighteousness uh, and the father sees us you know perfect because Jesus took our imperfections and he died for them and so at that point we're justified when we get to heaven someday we're going to be glorified and that means we'll be totally sinless we'll be totally free we'll be rid of this body that makes us want to sin and everything else in the meantime we're going through a process through called sanctification and that's something that's day by day, dependence on the Holy Spirit, where we just continue to press in, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. He continues to change us. He continues when we fall to pick us up. And we keep, we keep on this path looking. That attitude makes us pure in heart because we want more of the Lord. Our focus is on God. Our focus is not on worldliness. Our focus is on wanting to know him. We get frustrated when worldliness does creep in in our life because it will we're still going to sin we're still going to have things that happen but we get frustrated by it um, 
I think that, uh, I think it was John MacArthur who I read a quote that said, when someone becomes a Christian, they're no longer comfortable with their sin. They're in a state where they're fighting their sin. In other words, they, they wake up to it. They're like, again, they're, they just don't want, they, they want to be more like the Lord. And so that's the attitude that makes you pure in heart. It says the pure in heart will see God. And so that's what we're striving to do. And it says they shall be called sons of God. Um, it said, blessed are the peacemakers. And this is where the sons of God come in. If you're, if you're, you can see how these things are progressing in order. Because now if you're pure in heart, it says you're going to see God. Well, if, if that's the case, you're going to be a peacemaker in your life as you're walking around as things are going on and, you, and God is changing you, God is developing you, you're not going to like strife among your brethren. You're not going to like things that are happening that are going to tear you apart. You want people to know the gospel. You want people to know what all this means. And so you become a peacemaker. You're going to be someone that wants to declare the gospel. You want somebody to, you know, you're not going to, you're not, you're just not going to like strife. You're not going to like people being upset and it says you shall be called sons of God. Now, if all these things are happening to you and these are your attributes and all these things are happening, um, what's going to happen? Well, the world's not going to like it. You're going to stand out. You're not, you're not going to conform to the world. So then it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And so you got to expect that. And again, when it talks about being persecuted for righteousness sake, uh, it doesn't mean you're being persecuted uh, for something you did at work or you're being persecuted for something you did wrong at school. It's not mean you're being persecuted for doing something wrong because everybody gets persecuted for doing stuff that's wrong or saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. Uh, you know, picking on you or that kind of thing. No, it's talking about being persecuted for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of righteousness. If people are persecuting because you're a Christian or because you're taking the right stand for the gospel, if you're persecuted for that, that's what this is talking about. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So I hope you can see as we've gone through this, that this is talking about character. This is talking about once you come to Christ, once you have this desperate need to be saved, you realize you cannot save yourself, you need a savior, you understand that that uh, all your righteousness is like filthy rags before the Lord and you desperately need a savior. All these things click in like dominoes and you can see um, how it works. And now later, hopefully, in future podcasts, we'll be able to go over uh, some other things that come up here. But this is this is the section of the Sermon on Mount, again, called the Beatitudes, which talks about your character. As we progress through this, it then gets into actions and different things uh, that can happen in the world. And so, God willing, we'll uh, do some segments on that as well as we go forward. But for now, uh, this is Christian Deep Dive. I hope you have a blessed day and I hope you uh, study and consider these things. And uh, God bless you.